0: hello and welcome to another episode of give us this day our daily lou well i'll read a piece out of the bhagavad-gita and talk about it <laughs> hope you're having a lovely tuesday tuesday second day in the week tuesday today we'll just be reading from the translator he will be explaining his thoughts on the meaning of chapter nine the royal path so there's none of mine all from the translator eknath Aswaran, so strap on your seatbelts let's see if i can read this with some type of enthusiasm this chapter praises krishna as a supreme being who has created the world and dwells imminent in his creation krishna's exalted nature is stressed and warning is given to those who think that god is limited to his creation It is true that Krishna has taken on a human form, but those who see only a limited human being and show him disrespect are courting great spiritual harm. These verses contain a warning for those who would underestimate Krishna's divine power. In this chapter, Krishna replaces the many gods and goddesses of the usual Hindu pantheon, each of which represents a different divine power. Here, Krishna is seen as containing within himself all such powers. It is Krishna and Krishna alone who is to be worshipped. He is the goal, the support, the only refuge, the only true friend. He is the beginning and the end. It follows that those who practice a ritual religion, offering the ritual sacrifices ordained by the Vedas, do not attain the true goal of their lives. True, they do enjoy heaven after death. But when their store of merit is used up, they are reborn again in order to have another chance at turning away from personal gain and aiming at life's supreme goal. So long as they are motivated only by self-centered desires, they must be born again and again, and their spiritual evolution either stands still or they make very little progress. Even these souls, however, are really worshipping Krishna, though they do not know it. They seek Krishna, the Supreme Being, in all their wanderings through many, many lives and even in their sojourns in heaven where they enjoy the reward of their good deeds because they do not know his real nature. However, they will not attain the goal but will be reborn. An endless round of rebirths may seem like a living damnation of the struggling soul. A harsh note that would be uncharacteristic of the Gita. But this is not a question of damnation. The purpose of life is to realize God. And until it is done, the soul cannot escape creating more karma, which has to be worked out, however many lives it may take. The choice to turn towards self-realization is always open. The Gita does not dwell on the obstacles, however, but quickly goes on to reveal Krishna's more compassionate nature. It makes the point that whatever a person deeply desires, whatever he or she worships, will eventually be attained in some life or another. In particular, to have real, selfless love, regardless of the object, is to love Krishna, the ultimate good. I'm going to repeat that one. It makes the point that whatever a person deeply desires, whatever he or she worships, will eventually be attained in some life or other in particular to have real selfless love regardless of the object is to love krishna the ultimate good this kind of love called bhakti is far more potent than observances and rituals a point the gita is slowly revealing but to have this devotion without understanding krishna's nature is not enough in the end to attain his goal arjuna must have devotion and understand it as krishna's universal aspect that loves him when he will truly attain the eternal immortal state this chapter contains a famous and very popular series of verses Whatever you do make it an offering to me the food you eat the sacrifices you make the help you give even your suffering in This way you will be freed from the bondage of karma and from it results both pleasant and painful Krishna accepts every offering made to him in the right spirit. He assures Arjuna of this. Then, he demands that Arjuna make everything. Every act, every meal, every sacrifice, every gift, even his sufferings, an offering to God. He demands this so that Arjuna can be released from the bondage of karma. This is a new emphasis, a new way. If Arjuna can live in complete union with Krishna's will, doing everything for Krishna alone, then by that very purity of will he will be free from selfish motives and thus released from karma. His spirit will be free and he will attain his goal of mystic union with Krishna. Krishna declares that he is impartial to all creatures. He neither favors nor rejects anyone. It is their sincere love that is important. Those who are truly devoted to Krishna live in him and he abides in them. With some daring probably at the risk of discomfort to the more orthodox, Krishna adds that even a sinner who takes wholehearted refuge in him becomes good. The word used is sadhu, which literally means a good person, but has come to signify one who leads to spiritual life, giving up all selfish desires to achieve the final goal. The word for sinner, sudurachara, should not be passed by either. Suh, Literally means good. Durr is bad. Thus, one whose conduct is really bad, as we might say, good and hot, to mean really hot. Krishna promises that his devotees must attain peace at last. No one who has genuine love and devotion can perish. The meaning here is taken to be perish in a spiritual sense, come to spiritual harm. The message of this chapter is simple. It contains no philosophy and only a little theology. The one message is, anyone who has real love, love for the Lord of love who is in all creatures, will in the end attain the goal. This is the royal secret that Krishna has promised to reveal. The message is, anyone who has real love, love for The Lord of love, who is in all creatures, will in the end attain the goal. This is the royal secret that Krishna has promised to reveal. That's it. The Introduction to Chapter 9, The Royal Path. Read over it. I mean, re-listen if you'd like. Even grab the book if you'd ever like to that I read out of and follow along. And as always, thank you for tuning in to WLOU, the smooth sounds of the Bhagavad Gita.